Hey, hey, kids, we're a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, you got pop by a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the podcast that explores the American animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond, as dictated by the Wheel of Random and the newest episodes when they're available, like this week, where we wrap up the season of season 34. I say we because I am one of those aforementioned annoyed grunt boys, Steve, and with me, as always, is... The other annoyed grunt boy, Craig. Craig, we've done it. We finished another season of The Simpsons, or we're about to. Yeah, what if I just say, and I'm out of here and just leave? <laughs> oh no, no, I'll stick around for this one, Steve, because it's a, it's a big one, right? We're gonna wrap up the season, talk about uh, season thirty-four, right? Give our yeah. uh, favorite lists. Yeah. So as we're entering this iconic pop episode <laughs> um, of the seven hundred fiftieth episode and our iconic two hundred twenty-fifth episode. Let's uh, talk about season 34. Uh, Craig, what were some of your uh, favorite episodes of the season? Can I also give a shout out? If this was a live show, Steve's intro that he just did was not scripted. It was all on one take. Oh, that wow. was an amazing job, Steve. Congratulations. Thank you, you know, so sometimes much. Sometimes we, we fumble and fall and it's edited. But that what you heard was all one take without any preparation. I just said, hey, let's do this. And, and Steve's like, sure, sure. So good job, Steve. Thank you. Appreciate um, that. This part where I'm complimenting you will be edited out of the podcast. Only you, <laughs> as it should be. Yeah, I'm just gonna cut it right here and say, Steve, you're a piece of shit. You're That's right, Craig. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, season 34. Uh, well, look, we can't put this episode in yet because we haven't watched it, of course. Mm-hmm. So maybe at the end of this episode, we can see if it does fit in like our top three or five. How many we're gonna do? And I say three, maybe. Our top yeah, three is good. Then, just maybe one that you know we gotta be a dick, right? We gotta be a dick to one. Mm-hmm. And we'll dick that one. <laughs> dick it hard. Um, do you want my like number one so far, or do you want like number three? Should we go down? Should we go down on each other first, then come up? Yeah, let's go down on each other and then come up for <laughs> some air. Well, I'll say my my number three from uh, this season would have to be. <gasps> it's one that we just watched a couple weeks ago. Was the very hungry caterpillars? Look, I know there's a time when we're in a pandemic. That we all went through it. Do we want to relive that? And this episode was very, it, it made light on the pandemic in the way that it can with the the parody with the caterpillars. But there was just something kind of refreshing about like going back, like how ridiculous like, a lot of the things that were going on in the pandemic, you know, highlighting the, the ridiculousness of the some of the stuff that happened in the pandemic. Yes, it was a pandemic. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying like how as a collective species, we were just like, Start wearing gloves, not masks to work, you know, to the grocery mm-hmm. stores. It's just a little of the silliness and like the things that we did during during lockdown. So I think that was even though like we don't want to refresh our memories with that, but I just had a lot of fun with that episode. So I thought the very hungry caliper was might be my number three for this season. How about you? Uh you know, Craig, it's funny because that is also my number three. <laughs> All the stuff that you mentioned, but just the fact that uh I mean, almost solely for Lisa's or your least performance uh, with the dolls. That is kind of what sold me. But it was just such a great encapsulation of the thing that we all went through. 
and it did it with such like lightheartedness and like it didn't bum me out to think about the pandemic or the lockdown because of that episode in fact it kind of didn't make me feel nostalgia for it but it made me remember <laughs> what it was and like i don't know i think it captured it well and it it felt right and yeah. i thought it was just a really well well done episode my number two mm-hmm. i gotta go with the 15th episode of the season called bartless oh this was such a interesting take on like the fact that like if you know bart was being bart but bart was like in that episode if you don't if you don't remember he was in trouble at school because he was defacing books but he was also trying to teach children or just encourage children to not to read but just like engaging with them Mm -hmm. and like the fact that like it's a whole like you know almost kind of like this season finale i mean you know it's kind of like the episode where like well what if bar didn't exist and it's an interesting turn of like not what if he didn't exist it was just like if he was some someone else right right it was definitely a very very interesting exploration of uh like kind of a sliding door situation yeah and homer and marge had like a whole different careers and they were rich and you know like it was an interesting take on that but like it showed that bart's not really a bad person mm-hmm. and i just thought i thought that was such a well written episode and uh probably to my yeah this is my number two of the season so i thought was, what a great episode another fun like what if type of episode nice i like that my number two is the king of nice the uh fourth episode of the season uh, this is one where Krusty becomes a daytime TV talk show host. And I know that we kind of divided on this. Uh, and I, I know that you felt that it was a little inside baseball. And that's kind of what sold me on it is I love the takedown of the structure of talk show hosts and celebrity and basically just taking a shit on Ellen DeGeneres, who's probably a <laughs> bad person. And I think that, you know, Marge as a producer was a lot of fun. And I just thought it was a really uh, modern take on, you know, parroting what Krusty could be. And so, yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. So that's my number two. And now we do number one. Is that how that works? I guess so. Yeah, it's just tough. Uh, Before we get to number one. Okay. Do you want to offer one or two honorable mentions that didn't quite make your list, but you thoroughly enjoyed? Um, I would have to go with Carl Carlson rides again. And uh, even Clown v. Board of Education last week was great. Uh, Family Food, Pen Gal. I mean, there's there's a lot. Um, not It. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm saying too much now. <laughs> like, I'm not getting too... Yeah. Like, Treehouse of Horror, Not It. The, the, the Halloween episodes this season were great. You know, if I were to say, like, maybe ones that we weren't fans of, I think maybe Hostile Kirk Place was probably my least favorite from the season. Yeah. That's where we, we learn Kirk is, is a, a MAGA type of dude. But, like... There was a lot of great like social commentary from this whole season, but I felt like that was a little too forceful, even though like Clown V and Hungry Caterpillars were very much in that same vein. Mm-hmm. I just felt like maybe Hostel Kirk Place was a little too on the nose. Sure. I, 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 I get what you're saying that. I think my uh, probably my like the one that I liked the least was probably One Angry Lisa. It's uh, the one where Lisa goes to jury duty and Marge uh, oh, yeah. it's the Peloton or whatever they call it. It just felt like too sitcom too trying to be too modern. And I just feel like it was kind of a misstep for me, at least. Yeah. See, it's kind of hard to remember those like first couple episodes. So <laughs> that was I definitely remember that now. So I might have to put that on my list. Maybe Hostel Kirk Place was a little bit better than that one. Yeah, but teach their own. So now let's get to it. What what would you say your favorite episode of the season was? Hands down, Lisa the Boy Scout, the third episode from the season. <laughs> <laughs> me too. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to like tease you, like, yeah, I don't remember the first couple of episodes, yeah. but yeah. Lisa the Boy Scout was, I think for us too, one of the most unexpected episodes because when we read like the um the synopsis on air for the first time. It was a, a story about Lisa joining the boy explorers and Bart. I was like, this just sounds like one or the last boy scouts in the hood episode. And then we were totally wrong. It was just, I don't know. Simpsons have played around in the last couple of seasons with different ways of telling a fun story. And this one was definitely just like hands down, like one of the, uh, the best episodes you had uh, Anna Ferris as the female hacker was great. And Matthew friend, who is a kind of a regular on the Howard Stern show these days, he does a, a Howard Stern impersonation, but him as baby Jeff Goldblum is funny. And, oh yeah. But God, what, what a fun episode. That's like the one like to go back to and watch it. it yeah. The- I think it goes up with like 22 short s- stories about Springfield behind the laughter. Yeah. It's, it's goes up there with like behind the laughter. It's just like a fun, absurdist episode uh, but yeah what did you think of what was your number one steve was that it uh, it was also that uh just alone for the martin prince as a adult cop was fun the vignette with lisa only speaking french about the building on fire all so weird and so wonderful and so unexpected that it was just so much fun and so many like fun little vignettes that it was just i think about this episode all the time and it's one that i just revisit so yeah to me that's like the best of the season but what a good season i gotta say well you know it's funny i'm looking at it now that the production code was uabf 21 so was this maybe intended to be the season finale for season 33 i think you about that maybe we may have but i think you're totally right that uh yeah this that that would be a great way to wrap up a season and uh hopefully that this episode that we're about to watch wraps up the season well as well oh oh but uh steve all this talk of season 34 we had so many great beverages ah yes. i'm not gonna do a segue here <laughs> but uh should we just drink 34 beers right now i think so i was gonna say we should drink all the drinks that we had over the season and then rank them ah uh, well i know my my least favorite is that uh cake was a cake layer that from a few weeks ago oh yeah yeah that's definitely number zero or number 34 <laughs> Uh, but let's not look to the past. Let's let's look to the future to our favorite segment, the Simpsons Beer Corner. All righty, Craig, what have you got for us? Well, Steve, as you know, in this episode, we have guest star Lizzo. Mm-hmm. And do you know what Lizzo's favorite uh, dessert is? I do not. Either do I, but I'm going to assume it's a churro. Churros are good. A churro also kind of looks like a flute, and Lizzo plays the flute. (laughs) So that's why I went with a 12-gauge churro barrel-aged imperial stout with cinnamon and vanilla by Payette Brewing Company. See, if I had had this beer for a while and trying to find a way to connect it, so I figure I just need to have it for this last episode because I've been waiting a couple months to try this. (laughs) And uh, look, it says uh, on the can, it's orange, red, not really kid-friendly, but uh, barrel-aged in bourbon barrels serve in Mm. a snifter glass. I don't know. I I don't have a snifter glass with me. Enjoy now or store in a dark cool place steve 11.8 percent alcohol by volume wow brewed and canned in boise idaho hmm. i'm very excited for this steve as you may know maybe the listeners know my uh cinnamon probably is my top spice uh next would probably be scary <laughs> and uh ginger and we'll go sporty mm-hmm. then baby then posh that's reasonable steve have we ever ranked our spice girls 
No, but I think I'd be pretty close. I mean, Scary's up there for me. Old. Uh, <laughs> what about the Dune Spice? Spice Melange? Oh, yeah. That's important. <laughs> Meatball, comma, spicy. <laughs> All right. Well, you keep thinking of spices while I take a sip, so there's no dead air. We should be okay. been doing that the whole time. See, I'm going to take a sip while you <laughs> think right. of spices. You got your oregano. Must be a repeat. Uh, spice, the channel where you'd watch scattered, scattered porn when you were a kid, hoping to catch a glimpse of a nipple or maybe a butt or perhaps a penis. I- I'm done with my tasting. Can I? Okay. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I think it could use a more cinnamon. Interesting. Yeah. That, that, um, it's when just, you say a churro it's... stout, like I just imagine like an overwhelm, not overwhelming, but a strong cinnamon flavor. That's what you want. But that's kind of the, that's how a churro is, right? You think that you're getting strong cinnamon, but you get like the dough and the hint of the cinnamon. That's true. And you're right. Maybe I do get more of that. Um, I don't really taste the vanilla, but vanilla, you know, it's a flavor mm-hmm. and it's a very subtle flavor. So I think I can get that. But the thing about this, the beer is very smooth. Uh, I could drink like three of these. Nice. Would you buy it again? Do you think? Yes. That, that's the thing. I would. I think it's a great beer. I think I think if it's too cinnamony, mm-hmm. that I couldn't drink more than than one. So it's kind of more balanced than you were expecting, it's, but that's kind of a good thing. I think it's very well balanced, and it is 11.8%. So I think that's a problem in the fact that like it goes down smooth, mm-hmm. but you're going to go down hard if you drink too much of it. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's bad. or like You do get some of the syrupiness of it, if I go stout, you get but it does have one of the most pleasant aftertastes. Like it doesn't like leave a, a bitter beer face. Mm-hmm. So I do like this. I was maybe expecting more. And I think that's with, you know, churros at the time. You're like, oh, I love a churro. And you're just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not the most <laughs> amazing dessert you've ever had. Right. So, you know what? I give it I give it a I give it a, a thumbs up. All right. How about you, Steve? Oh, well, Craig, as you mentioned, uh, Lizzo is in this episode and, you know, she can be, you know, a little wild, but that's her right. Because at the end of the day, I say yes, queen to her because she's a queen. So that's why I have Wild Queen, a hoppy farmhouse ale from Wolves and People out of Newburgh, Oregon. Uh, The text reads, brewed with forager, our very own unique wild yeast gathered from our meadow's busy hives. This innovative Saison style sipper is brewed with a large oak futter and with the finest floor malted and local Oregon malt and fragrant noble hops. Uh, So the can is, um, you know, not really kid friendly. It's kind of a green background with the different hard suits on it. Uh, Comes in, unlike yours, at a 4.7%. So this is a unusually low ABV for me. Um, But I figure it's a summer day. We can take it easy. Don't need to go nuts. Maybe later I'll go nuts. But for now. Who are you, Michael Keaton? (laughs) Let's go nuts. Yeah. Okay. Well, Steve sips his beer. I will talk about uh, how excited I am for the summer. We got a lot of great programming coming up this summer for the podcast. We got uh, episodes about The Simpsons and more beer talk, possibly Mm -hmm. a cocktail, maybe a wine. Sure. Should we launch our uh, Patreon this summer? Maybe. We do know that Futurama is coming up here pretty quick. We're going to have to get to those episodes, Uh, but uh, we're pretty lazy, so we'll see what happens. We kind of just want you guys to uh, enjoy your summer and uh, drink responsibly. That's right. And that time I finished my whole beer. Um, (laughs) No, this is a good summertime beer. It's kind of got that wild yeast flavor, that kind of funk to it that might turn Mm. off some people, but I like it. Um, I think I like that flavor. Yeah. And the hops are not really prominent. Like you can get a hint of hop, but it's not bitter. It's not too like weed forward. I wish I had put maybe thrown this in the freezer for a few minutes because it would have been better. Mm. It was super cold. It's still plenty cold, but it's a good beer. Uh, Great for summertime. (laughs) I I feel like, you know, you're outside having a barbecue, hanging out with friends. 
Right. And, you know, maybe you imbibe some other uh, products that happen to be, you know, marijuana. <laughs> I tried to be witty and then I just stopped. Yeah. Um, but like, it's a good, like, easygoing beer. Nothing too exciting, but it is a funky, unique beer that I, I really like. I think that this is a, you could have several of these and be just fine. And you wouldn't be too wasted. And it would just be a, a nice little buzz. So I like this one. We both like our beers. What That's a big right. surprise. <laughs> we like beer. <laughs> uh, but Craig, do we like media? Specifically media that was out on May 21st, 2023. Uh, like what, Craig, was the number one movie in the box office? It's everyone's favorite uh, car driving family. It's about family, Steve. And it's a fast 10. Vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom. Or Aquaman's the bad guy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, now, Craig, I know that you're a fan of the Fast and Furious. I, I don't consider myself a fan. Um, okay. I've watched them, uh, not really, I've only seen them like once, but I, I, I think the last one I actually saw was like the Hobbs and Shaw movie, but majority of time I've watched them, I've been pretty drunk, so I don't remember them. <laughs> As they're uh, intended to be seen, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I should do the right thing and go back and watch them stoned mm -hmm. high on uh, weed. Uh, and I might appreciate them more. I mean, I know the first one. I've seen that one a couple times. Uh, mm -hmm. I've seen Tokyo Drift a couple times because I think it's one of the funniest ones. Not funniest, but like it's it's like definitely all about racing and street racing. And uh, what's his name from uh, Tool Time? Was that Home Improvement? The the oldest kid. He's in the movie. Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. He played like a, a high school kid for like most of his life. Uh, mm -hmm. What was his name? Not Jonathan Taylor Thomas, the other one, the older one. Zachary Ty Bryant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do get introduced to like Han uh, in that uh, saga. Uh, but I haven't seen like the last, like like I said, Hobbs and Shaw. It was the last like Fast Furious movie I saw. And that was just bonkers. Uh, I'll watch it. I just need to go through a rewatch to get to this uh, Fast X. Look. It's like the carnival of big name actors that appear in these movies, right? Or just well-known people. Like you see like Brie Larson's in this. Like, <laughs> like sure, it's one thing like doing a Marvel movie. But do, am I poo-pooing like the Fast franchise over a Marvel? Because I think Marvel's more prestige. I mean, they're the two types of movies that exist now. So yeah, I don't think you're wrong to criticize one or the other. I think that just, you know, they, they're they a different market and they're kind of a different thing. But, you know, and like, I, we, I, we love podcasts and we listen to a lot of like, the, you know, like the how did this get made? And like, they're all fans of these movies. And it's just like, mm -hmm. where are we at, Steve? Where are we at? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've not seen them and I feel like I've been left behind, but. I, I'm sure they're dumb fun. I mean, I, I don't want to say they're dumb, but I, I feel like they're just kind of silly fun that they are not too serious. But I'm I'm, you know, all for it. All right. But there's plenty of podcasts out there that discuss the glorious Fast and Furious movies. Are we going to be one of them on our Patreon? Perhaps I'd be down for that. I'd, I'd honestly be down for that. Mm -hmm. Fast right. X. It sounds like a laxative. Yeah, but it's a movie. It's a movie. Well, Steve, um, I didn't go see Fast X. Was that Chris Pratt in that movie, by the way? Because then he would have been like, <laughs> that would have been amazing. What if they cast Chris Pratt instead of Jason Momoa as the bad guy? He would have had like mm -hmm. the three top movies. Like, <laughs> big mistake. Uh, but he, sh Chris Pratt definitely should be in one of these Fast movies. Oh, yeah. It seems like a perfect fit. All right, Steve. Well, I didn't see Fast X. I'm sure you were staying mm -hmm. at home listening to the uh, number one song. Steve, what was it? Well, Craig... Once again, for I think the sixth week, it is uh, Morgan Wallen uh, with his song Last Night. This is how we're going to end season 34 with this song? Yes. I threw your shit into a bag and pushed it down the stairs. I crashed my car into the bridge. I don't care. 
I got you, Steve. I kind of popped you in our final episode of season oh, 24. Kind of popped by the best of them. That song is like three billion times better than last night by Morgan. Absolutely. Wilson. That's a great song. I'm just like sitting here in my swivel chair, just like dancing to it. Love it. I love to be kind of popped. Indeed. I, in fact, uh, do love it. Featuring Charlie XCX. Did this song ever like uh, number one? So eventually when we get to the episode when this or was it like a summer hit and Simpsons were off the air? Like, I want to know. Yeah, Obviously, that's I, a good question. And I, I want to know, too. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yes, we're going to have to do that. But uh, this week, let's talk about season 34, episode 22, Homer's Adventure Through the Window Glass, in which time stands still after Homer crashes his car and flies through the windshield. As his life flashes before his eyes, a magical friend helps Homer learn the secret truth about his marriage. Ooh. Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, let's take a break. We'll watch the episode, finish our beers, and let's finish up season 34. We'll be right back. And we're back. Today we're talking about Homer's Adventure Through the Windshield Glass, the 22nd episode of the 34th season. It originally aired on May 21st, 2023. It is episode 750 in the show's run. Well, this calls for a celebration. I will. Your nerd code is OABF13. It was written by Tim Long, directed by Bob Anderson, and your showrunners are Al Jean, Matt Selman, and Tim Long. Oh, wow. Tim Long. How many? Let's see here. I'm going to do some counting here, guys. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We've done eleven episodes that he wrote or helped write with. Oh, let's see here. We got the Treehouse of Horror 10, New Kids on the Bleh, Barry mm. versus Lisa versus Third Grade, Homer and Ned's Hail Mary Pass, Million Dollar AB. You can't always say what you want. Love is a mini splinter thing. The kid is all right. Married to the Blob, Bull E, Doe Canada, Poor House Rock, and now Homer's Adventure Through the Windshield Glass. Wow. A lot of good stuff there. A lot of episodes we still haven't reviewed. Yeah. I, one that I'm waiting for is Panic in the Streets of Springfield because it just makes fun of uh, Morrissey, and I like to do that. So <laughs> that'll be fun. Behind the Laughter, of course. It's a classic episode that I can't wait to talk about. Don't forget uh, Simpsons Bible Story, his first credited one. Oh, right. That one, too. That's going to be our hell. Yes. Is it that bad? I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. The only thing I can recall, and we might have brought this up before, is a kind of action movie thing with uh, Ralph as David versus Goliath. Hey, you have Skinner's sense of snow here on our notes that's not highlighted. Did we ever do that? We did. I oh, think that I failed. may have copied and pasted <laughs> as I want to do. Yeah, that's our episode 203. So this is our 13th Tim Long episode. Yeah. Oh, he also wrote the uh, late Lisa Goes Gaga. Was that the uh, season finale for like season 23 or is that it was close towards the end? I don't know if it was a season finale, though. Yeah, let's take a look. Uh, Gaga. Gaga. It was uh, the end of season 23 of the season finale. Can you imagine pulling that stunt? It's the season finale. So let's just get the biggest signal you can think of and just throw in the episode <laughs> for some reason. Dumb. Is that uh, Tim Long's <laughs> MO? Move. Like, yeah. I mean, look, he's written a lot of good episodes 
for the modern age. And mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, it's like, okay, we want to go out the season with a bang. And I know they were all excited for the Lisa goes Gaga. He's a huge get. And all the fans turned on the Simpsons. Finally, yeah. they turned on the Simpsons. It took 23 <laughs> seasons, but they finally did. Look, we haven't reviewed Lisa goes Gaga because we're still waiting for a, our schedule to clear up for Gaga to come on the podcast. Like she's right. open and and willing to do it whenever she, you know she wants to do it. But Steve yeah, and I are does. so busy. Yeah. I mean, we got tours, we have videos <laughs> to videos to direct. Look, i busy people. I'm on set, you know, with uh who's the Joker guy? Uh Joker, you know. No, uh, uh oh. we're we're playing Harley Quinn in the new Joker movie. That's right. We're trying to record for a uh, Top Gun Maverick. The, the song, the song. Mm-hmm. In fact, hold on. She's, I think she's at the door right now. That's, I'm going to ignore it like how I ignore everyone who knocks at my house door. Of course. <laughs> Once we get uh, Gaga, we also probably have to have Tim Long on the show to, to talk. Probably, yeah, if we can get him. We'll get Matt. We'll get Matt and Tim, Gaga. I, I also want to know what like Taylor Swift thinks of that episode, too. So we'll tr- we'll get her on the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conan O'Brien. Sure. Get him. So then he can Maybe. talk about the monorail during that episode. Maybe Katy Perry, too, just for fun. Right. And, you know, this is the entire cast of The Simpsons. They'll have to be honest. Yeah, I, They'll be easy. I know that I keep on getting emails from John Schwartzwalder saying that he wants to be on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We'll get him to record something. I think even President Presidents Obama, Biden, Clinton, Bush, Carter, they all want to come on, too, and talk about that episode. Yeah, it's what Carter's holding on for. <laughs> yeah. But this is our schedule. You know, we can't get, you know... We just can't accommodate everybody. We're as busy as we are successful. Yes. Any other names that want to be on the podcast for that episode, Steve? Yeah, I got Kid Rock, too. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. No, I think we could actually get him, Steve. <laughs> All right. Well, can we just uh, start this amazing 750th episode? And it's our 225th yeah. episode. So that's kind of a milestone, too, right? Yeah, it's uh, impressive. <laughs> But we got what we wanted. You know, we've been complaining the last couple seasons. We don't get a full intro like we used to. It's true. But we even have like a billboard gag starting off like, well, we're getting a couch. Are we getting everything? You know, I I forgot this was a 750th episode. I think last week we didn't bring it up. I didn't realize it was. We knew it was coming. I think we talked about the beginning of the season that episode 750. I didn't know it was going to be the season finale. Yeah, I didn't think about it at all. But uh, for all the Simpsons fans out there, hopefully they can recognize some of these faces are on the uh, billboard. We got Ozzy Smith because, you know, he fell down that hole. Uh, We got Hugh Ass, who's very polite, but uh, I don't know what happened to him. That was the only one that I didn't know. I had to look it up and uh, I forgot about Hugh Jass. Steve, you can never forget about Hugh Jasses, right? Uh, Every day I think about Hugh Jass. (laughs) And every night you think about Hugh Jass every morning. Hugh Jass is always on my mind. You're in the shower thinking about Hugh Jass. Mm hmm. Uh, we got Lucille uh, from the uh, the babysitter from the first season. Uh, some Is that Some Enchanted Evening, if I'm trying to remember from the top of my head? Is, that is correct. The first episode ever produced. Yes. Yeah. Played by, of course, the late great uh, Penny Marshall. Indeed. Uh, we have the ever unpopular Dr. Marvin Monroe. Yeah, he's my favorite character, Steve. <laughs> we got Sherry Bobbins. Uh, we've got Rex Banner not wearing his trademark hat. Which I think we'll get into not much of coming up, but I think he's actually in the crowd of people, too. Interesting. <laughs> Later in the intro. Uh, we got Stacy Lavelle, of course, the creator of Malibu Stacy. We've got Belle from Les Derriere. Poochie! 
And Beatrice Simmons, also known as Grandpa's girlfriend. But I thought she died. That's why she's missing. But... Missing from this mortal coil. Oh. And like Dr. Marvin Monroe's not dead anymore. They brought him back. That's right. I mean, Sherry Bobbins is dead because she was what flew into uh, an airplane, right? Right. And Poochie died on his way back to his home planet. <laughs> you know, they should have had Guy Incognito. Have we seen him lately? No, we haven't. <laughs> oh, we brought up that there was another character that was that they did that same bit with. It looked like Homer, but it was someone else. Yeah, and it was we, gay, we, gay incognito. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, but yeah, the chalkboard gag. Bart writing, um, I will not try to cram 750 characters into the opening credits. And I'm, as I'm watching this live last night, I'm thinking... Steve's probably going to be a jerk here and himself to himself and pausing. But like, I don't think he's going to try to count 750 characters, let alone name them. And I have no idea how much I consider doing it. (laughs) It's it's tough. Even from the get go, I'm like, oh, man, uh, I don't know those kids. I know, you know, there's uh, Sarah Gilbert's character from, you know, Bart's crush or whatever. You know that. Anyway, what was the name of that episode? Bart's Um, love. Yeah. Parts. I don't know, but you know, you see a couple characters there. You see the nerds. So my my goal was was to think of a character from The Simpsons mm-hmm. and then kind of pinpoint or pause to, to see if I could find them. And the character I was thinking of, because it's been canceled from Disney, I was going to try to find Leon Kampowski, of course, uh, played by the the great Michael Jackson, <laughs> the gloved one himself. Hey, according to Home Alone man, Michael Culkin himself said nothing happened, but you know who knows. I think uh, Corey Feldman says otherwise, right? I believe so, yeah. Or is it the other way? Yeah. Anyways, uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to find that character. Now, granted, it doesn't say like every single character of the Sims from that's ever been on The Simpsons is going to be on it. So I'm just thinking that there's probably a character from 750 episodes that they had to put in. So why wouldn't it be him, right? Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of screen caps and I went through. I couldn't find him. So I'm, I'm asking uh, the listeners out there, can you find uh, Leon? I just I think they wouldn't put him in because they've canceled that from Disney. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing a quick review. I'm seeing Thanos, seeing James Bond, seeing Lady Gaga herself, even John Madden, but no Leon Kapowski. They just erased him from existence. I just think it's funny that uh when they're going through the garage here, you get uh, Gordon Ramsay. I see Gordon Ramsay, but I'm not familiar with the guys that he's next to. I see Clint yeah. Eastwood. And then Alec Baldwin to his left. And then is the that state... Alec Baldwin? I think so. Or maybe I mean, not. I saw Kim Basinger and she was yeah. in the, the, the checkout line. You know, I used to like trust Gordon Ramsay, but uh, mm-hmm. now that he's like a shell for a Triscuit, like literally like the worst cracker out there, I just can't trust him, you know? Like Triscuits. Do you like Triscuits? I like a Triscuit myself, but <laughs> like I know eating... they're not for everybody. It's eating, it's eating cardboard, Steve. It's great for, uh, you know, spread some cream cheese on there and some meat. It's good. I will take a Ritz. I will take a, uh, a chicken in a biscuit or a oh yeah or a a, a, a wheat thin. A wheat thin's far superior to a triscuit. I will agree with you that a wheat thin is better than a triscuit, but I still value a triscuit. I think I think we need to end this podcast. <laughs> oh no, I am like uh, the Republican Party. I welcome all crackers. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe it's because as a kid, I thought uh, when there was Triscuits, I didn't like because I liked the wheat thins because they're, you know, a little sweeter. Mm-hmm. And Triscuits were just like shredded wheat, but flatter. And I mean, I literally, know. they are just shredded wheat with salt yeah. on them. I don't know, Gordon. Kind of lose me here. Mm. Corporate shill Gordon Ramsay. Mm. Is he going to do the podcast? I think so. Yeah, I think he's going to be there <laughs> for the Gaga episode. It's a big Gaga fan. Yeah. <laughs> Have Gordon Ramsay and Guy Fieri ever, like, been in the same room together? Huh. 
Like, could you imagine if like guys filming a diners, drive-ins and dives, and then all of a sudden like Gordon Ramsay comes in he's like, wait a minute, I'm trying to do a kitchen nightmare here and you're here. <laughs> and funny. it's also, it's also like a bar. And so then uh, John Taffer from Bar Rescue comes in, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're making all these like multiverse movies with Marvel and DC. And I think there needs to be the ultimate like hooking type of uh, industry type show. So you get Gordon, you get Taffer, Robert Irvine. Oh yeah, uh, Guy Fieri, people that come in. Uh, oh, who's the guy that uh, the the Chris Hansen or the pedophile guy? <laughs> I don't think he likes to be referred to as the, the pedophile guy, but yeah, Chris Hansen. <laughs> so it's like one restaurant bar that's got a pedophile and like amazing food, but it also sucks. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other like got you like reality shows? Well, there's that one. Uh, what would you do? I don't remember the host name, but it's basically like somebody will like smack their kid and they want to see how other people react. <laughs> oh, what about the the dog whisperer guy, Caesar? Uh, oh yeah, forget uh, his last name. <laughs> and then uh, you got to be fair, so you got to have Jackson Galaxy, who's the cat whisperer. Yeah, and then let's throw in uh, Johnny Knoxville and the rest of the Jackass crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get uh, who is the punk? Uh, J- uh, J- uh, uh, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher. <laughs> and, then, and then have a uh, for some reason Zach Braff will be there, and then he'll punch and beat someone up. <laughs> get the uh, uh, get the other pedophile guy, the Josh Dugan guy, in there. You know, the my, get... my, my thousand pound sisters or whatever that, that sure. show is. While we're at it, we can get Alan Funt to do a candid camera, <laughs> and everyone's naked because they're naked and afraid. <laughs> That's right. The ultimate. I hope David Zavazavu, whatever the asshole's name is from, that owns HBO Max, Discovery Guy, David <laughs> Zavla, Zavla, that's his name, yeah. right? He's our biggest enemy because he won't pay the writers. That's right. Good on the, uh, the if dating this episode, the Boston uh, uh, University of, uh, or Boston U, where he was doing the commencement speech. Uh, people were chanting that while he was giving him a speech. Good good on well, the uh, the students. Definitely, yeah. You know, we were the writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that was a long... Uh, <laughs> long rant but that's what we're used to we're gonna do 750 minutes of long rants on this episode <laughs> that's but, right but what a great uh you know couch gag intro it we- is incredibly impressive that you know i don't know if they reach 750 but the sheer depth of characters that they've had on the show and created you know i know they've been on for 34 years but still that's really impressive to create such a big world like right no other media aside from like comic books has really ever done that. And so that's something to be proud of Simpsons folks. Yeah. Pat yourselves on the back and uh, get to work on 750 more episodes, guys. Come on. Yeah. Talk to me when you reach a thousand, you losers. <laughs> yeah. Do the, I know animation is a little different, but they're still part of the WG. I, are they, are they affected with the writing? I think they have to be right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course they are. I, I know that, um, uh, McFarlane has shut down Family Guy and uh, American Dad, Dad indefinitely because of the strike. I think it's just a matter of when it will be affected because, you know, The Simpsons worked so far in advance. So they might have like several episodes in the can already. Yeah, I think they've already produced a couple that when I was reading when this season started, like episode titles, there's a couple that aren't aired or airing this year. So they'll be pulled over to the, the next season. So, yeah, and that's how they always do it. You know, they produce like 24, but only 22, 24 to 26, maybe. Yeah. Again, just pulling these numbers out of my ass. But I think that's kind of the thing. Like they produce a bunch of episodes, you know, all the episodes, but only air like these 22 this season. So, right. And you can look at the production codes and see like the chronology of them and you can see whether or not it's from the previous season or not so like the the first couple episodes from this season were holdovers from last season so exactly and we'll just get more but i think this episode uh 
was a proper like season finale, in my opinion. But again, we're not reviewing it yet. Let's just get into it, Steve, okay? Our episode begins, as it always does, with Homer angrily leaving the First Bank of Springfield and throwing his tie to the ground. He then kicks the 1989 plaque that notes when the bank, the Simpson series, and Taylor Swift were all created. He then kicks a parking meter, a tin can, and then removes a kick-me sign from Martin Prince's back and places it on Martin Prince's lunch pail, which he then kicks into the air. Martin screams out for his pâté de campaign, his country pie, while Nelson laments his loss of his kick-me sign. You said Taylor Swift was created in 1989. Wasn't she probably created in like 1988? And then she was born in 1989, unless... I suppose. When 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 is her birthday? December thirteenth, nineteen eighty nine. You should know this. So December. That means that she was probably created in March of eighty nine. Okay. Oh, yeah. you're right. So she was created. Do you think? Because my birthday is March fourth. I was gonna wonder. Yeah. Do you think her parents banged on my birthday? Probably. Maybe that's why you feel such a strong connection. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, let me see something here. March nineteen eighty nine. Uh, okay. So I'm looking up uh, movies that were released in nineteen eighty nine. Mm-hmm. So maybe like they saw, let's see here, uh, maybe they watched Fletch Lives, which was released March 17th. They're like, oh, yeah. His, her oh, mom's like, Chevy Chase. <laughs> or uh, Police Academy 6 was released March 9th. So maybe like, <laughs> you know, like Police Academy 6, you know, get you going. Mm-hmm. Lean on me. Or like, come in me. <laughs> I, I'm thinking Taylor Swift's parents went and saw, they had a date night. They went to see Police Academy 6, City Under Siege, went back mm-hmm. home. And then, uh, you know, banged. I think it's. Yeah, canon. I mean, I think so, because sure, there wasn't a Gutenberg, but you did have, you know, Bubba Smith and Tackleberry and Michael Winslow. <laughs> so, you know, I would be horny. Was uh, the big, uh, the ample chested uh, cop in that movie? Because, you know, I can understand if uh, she was in it to get a little uh, excited. Yeah. <laughs> Man, just look at all these movies released in 1989 that someday we're going to have to review. <laughs> I know. Oh, that Patreon. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I think if we do films from 1989, Steve, I'm gonna have to skip some of them. <laughs> Probably, I mean, yeah. I don't even know what this movie called. There's a movie called Chocolat. Does that have to mean I have to? Is that is the other Chocolat a remake of that Chocolat? Perhaps. Maybe it was uh, like a French film that yeah old Johnny Depp uh, decided to create. All right. Well, Steve, uh, Homer erratically drives off muttering to himself, oh, how could she? Why would she? He has so many feelings and all of them are anger. Since rage belongs on the road, Homer decides to drive away his feelings. He stops at a red light where crazy cat lady mutters nonsense and gibberish at him. He replies with similar gibberish and through her own gibberish, Crazy Cat Lady responds that for the first time ever, she feels like someone gets her. Homer responds with his own screaming nonsense, offering the response, I'm not what you need, but I wish you well. Very sweet of him. Very, very sensitive. <laughs> As Homer speeds down the road, he searches through a pile of trash and other various stuff in his car, looking for his phone. Amongst the fast food wrappers, Isotope's hat, and its Nintendo Switch, playing Tears of Kingdom, Homer, he tosses one of Maggie's happy little elf dolls. He's eager to express his rage at the person who arranged him, his wife. I'm thinking it's probably one of the kids' Nintendo Switch, and they're just leaving it in a car. I know. Kids just don't uh, respect things, right? They don't understand, as Will Smith didn't say. <laughs> Look, I pulled a boner when I was a kid, and uh, I left. Yeah, I left a, a Game Boy on an airplane. So, ooh, with like all my games, I'd like probably at the time maybe four or five games. That's still a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Parents weren't happy about that, but I cried and got another Game Boy. So, <laughs> I want to fucking spoil piece of shit. <laughs> Lesson learned. 
<laughs> you bitch about your poor actions enough. Yeah. It'll get fixed. <laughs> I probably only had like three games. I just remember I had like the Mario one and Tetris because you got Tetris for free. So like Super right. Mario Land and Tetris. Honestly, I think see, was, that was the only two games I had. I could see you with like a baseball game maybe, but yeah. No, those are no, pro- no. Yeah, just those two. But I still have my Game Boy chess game. So if anyone wants to play chess, hook up <laughs> to an old school Game Boy, let me know. Sounds like fun. Homer emerges in the lane, nearly hitting the car next to him, as well as Sideshow Mel and his biking companion, Barbara Belfry from a series of Flanders. Once he finds his phone, he writes to a text to Marge saying, I'm so, so, so angry, followed by the anger emoji, uh, happy face, or I guess anger emoji, uh, the skull emoji, and then an eggplant emoji because Homer is horny angry. No, mm-hmm. he explains it because he hates eggplants. He doesn't know what they mean. Mm-mm. Anyways, he sees a, uh, a fire, 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 and once he realizes he hits a fire, fire, fire hydrant. So Homer's car hits the hydrant in slow motion. As a milkshake and burrito burst inside the car, Homer calms himself, saying that his seatbelt will save him. He then remembers that he cut out the seatbelt and used it to tie a hammock to a tree. He then has a moment of relief because of his airbag, until he recalls that he used that for a pillow while napping on the hammock. He then says, at least I have shatterproof glass, just before his head shatters through the glass. He is then thrown out of the car, and Homer has a brief moment of bliss. I'm soaring through the air like an angel or a beautiful loogie. How very majestic the world looks from up here. The sky, the ocean, Ralph. Bartball Mommy is going to die. That's her problem. <laughs> Homer, yo, big man, now's not the time to chill. What? Who the hell was that? It's me, Maggie's happy little elf doll. Oh, yeah, she calls you Gooby Woo. Of course she does. That's my damn name. Okay, she's Gooby Woo. But how are you talking right now? That's a little complicated. You see, I'm a projection of your psyche, and you're in the middle of a very traumatic life event. Traumatic? What do you mean? I feel great. Um, Homer, Homer, what you're currently experiencing is called post-traumatic elation. Is that like post-raisin brand? Damn it, man! You are literally in the middle of a car accident! What a bunch of fun animation. Reminds me of what a couple of episodes ago we got, uh, there was like Homer crashed into a tree in slow motion. Mm-hmm. They're digging these slow motion. Yeah, and that's uh, singer, rapper, actress, and flautist uh, Lizzo playing the role of Gooby Woo. Don't forget, she's also a uh, a Star Wars character now. Oh, that's right. She's married Gooby to Gooby Woo sounds like a Star Wars character. Sounds like what uh, Jabba the Hutt calls, like, sex. <laughs> Gooby Woo! <laughs> or that says, like, when he orgasms, <laughs> that's what he says. <laughs> and then that little, like, rat creature goes... <laughs> <laughs> that little laughing monkey lizard thing, right? Yeah, he's a cuck. Fucking hated that piece of shit when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I could like pull R two D 2s eyes out. It's like, come on, or no, three PO's eyes out. Like, come on, dude, what's up with that? Yeah, not cool. Not cool. Also, he... I think it's weird when uh, guys are horny for Slave Leia, or like <laughs> like Jabba's horny for her, right? Right. Like, where's his slug dick at? <laughs> like, did Leia have to like do stuff? You think? Ew. I don't want to think about that's that's depressing. Look, uh, it's fun to see uh, Goopy Woo finally. <laughs> but, uh, as Homer realizes the situation he's in, Goopy Woo explains that they are going to use the car ejection for some self-reflection, starting with the source of Homer's anger. She tells him to look into one of the many pieces of glass floating in the air, and it shows a scene of Homer in the bank. I need a safe deposit box. Want to know why? 
Well, that's why I got into banking in the first place, for the thrilling stories. Well, this morning I was on my break at the nuclear power plant. Uh-huh. So I went and got myself a bag of chips. Potato chips. I feel like I'm at a story slam right now. They were so delicious and salty and chompy, and before long, they were all gone. No. Almost. Oh, there's a twist. But then I pulled out this, a chip that looks exactly like John Travolta. And that's why I need a safe deposit box to protect this treasure forever. Oh, don't study opera staging in Vienna, they said. Work in a bank, they said. Mm-hmm. Mr. Simpson, it looks like your family already has a safe deposit box. Your wife rented it out over a decade ago. Wow, he's got a wife. What? Now, I'm not supposed to show you this, but lucky for you right now, I'm super high. Boy, that voice sounds familiar, Steve. Why, that's actor, comedian, and podcaster, and extremely varied SNL performer Bone Yang playing the role of banker Richard. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Um, My wife is a big fan of the podcast he does with uh, Matt Rogers. Lost Culturistas. I've listened to a couple episodes. It's uh, it's fun. Is that uh, Steve Rogers' brother? Yes. <laughs> Captain the, uh, Confederacy. Captain... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there actually is a comic book character, Captain Confederacy. Ooh. Yeah. And I think uh, Dean Cain's producing the movie. Right. That's the only Superman I like. <laughs> Kid Rock's doing the music and uh, Ted Kevin Sorbo's playing. The... Kevin, yeah. Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, he's Captain Confederacy. Oh, hey, Steve, I have a funny prank to play. Let's uh, mm. send a script treatment to uh, Kevin Sorber. Like, hey, we're in this movie called Captain Confederacy. We want you to be the lead. <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry, we can film this because we're not part of the WGA. So Yeah, he'd do it. <laughs> yeah, he would. Uh, like uh, Kirk Cameron could be in it. And uh, mm-hmm. Scott Bayo is going to be in it. Yeah, and uh, maybe we can get Victoria Jackson to make a cameo. <laughs> yeah. 36-year-old divorced grandmother Lauren Boebert will be in it. <laughs> Get MTG to, like, you know, talk about gazpacho <laughs> armies. and uh, This is going to be the greatest and, movie. Oh, yeah. It's going to be the greatest film ever produced. Ugh. <laughs> Richard hands Homer the last will and testament of Clarence Bouvier, Marge's father and Homer's father-in-law. Homer's surprised, as Clarence never mentioned the will in the four conversations that they had. Richard shows Homer a trust fund set up by Clarence, paying Marge $1,000 a month. After Homer exclaims a series of what's and no's, Richard confirms that Marge has been getting that money every month since her father passed away. Homer doesn't know how to feel, and Richard comments that many customers opt for extreme rage. Homer doesn't want to be one to follow the crowd, but extreme rage seems to fit him, and he growls, storming out of the bank and throwing his tie down, and we are back to where our story began. Look, I feel like we've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, we wanted more like backstory with Marge's dad. And sure. it's like we might be getting it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. Also, is it setting up the fact that like fans be like, how can they be well off like with Homer? And right. And like the secret thousand dollars every if that's like in 1989, if that was happening, a thousand dollars. Oh, but nowadays, like she's only getting a thousand dollars. It's kind of low. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would gladly take a thousand dollars a month. Oh yeah, but, but and, it like wouldn't change my life. Well, and that's what we want the Patreon for. Is like everyone give us a thousand dollars a month. It means we only we need one patron. <laughs> Maybe two. I don't want to share. Yeah, I don't want to share either. Um, I kind of want to get greedy, and I want at least uh, ten patrons. Okay, that's fine. Twenty, I, twenty, twenty. Yeah, what the hell? Let's make it an even thirty. Let's make it a thousand for a thousand. I like it. Yeah, two thousand for a thousand. Because I don't want to share. And yeah, and then we can just do a Patreon for two months, and then never be heard <laughs> from again. 
and we'll only just do our crappy political rants. <laughs> The thing everyone loves. Yeah. And, and impersonations. And impersonations. Everyone loves that. <laughs> I get to work on that, Steve. Okay. All right. So back at the site of the accident, Homer recalls why he was so mad and why he's even angrier now. He searches for the words to describe what Marge has done by keeping all the money from him. Gooby Woo tells Homer it's financial infidelity. She goes on to say that she sees why Homer's so mad, but it's the wrong emotion to feel. Gooby Woo offers to help Homer work through his emotions so he can find peace. But Homer fears that the work sounds an awful lot like, you know, work. Ugh. So as they soar towards a, a tree, I wonder if it's a chestnut tree. <laughs> Homer's a John Travolta potato chip falls from his shirt and smashes into a million pieces. Did this like scene of like the pota- the John Travolta p- potato chip like just kind of remind you of that uh, potato chip lady from Johnny Carson, like one of the most infamous Johnny Carson? Oh right, show. yeah. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it, it's it's a really funny scene. That's what I miss about like. Because they have so much like little time. Because, you know, the, the Tonight Show used to be 90 minutes long. Right. But then they shorted it down to an hour. But there was Johnny Carson would always have, you know, f- interesting, normal people or just like people with like an interesting type of thing, not just, you know, celebrities like they have now. Yeah. And and he had this lady who used to collect potato chips because they looked like someone like one would look like Abraham Lincoln or whatever. <laughs> and so as a bit, he had this old lady on and... She's like, well, this is, you know, the potato chip of uh, Richard Nixon or what. I forget who it was. And Ed McMahon's sitting, you know, next to her. And Ed asks a question. And, you know, she, so she turns <laughs> to the to Ed to answer the question. And off screen, you see Johnny Carson with just a, a bowl of, like, potato chips. And just puts one in his mouth and crunch. And the lady just looks <laughs> over at him. So, like, the shock of, like, did you just eat my potato chip? <laughs> one of the funniest bits ever. He's like, no, no, no. Just, around that moment, he saw, like, the lady's heart just sink, like. Yeah. You- Something <laughs> so I just seen that whole potato chip bit in The Simpsons just reminded me of of that uh, infamous Johnny Carson uh, <laughs> segment. Uh, so Homer's about to meet the same fate as the uh, snack shaped like the star of uh, Battlefield Earth, Mr. Travolta himself. You know, it's funny. I just opened a bag of potato chips and I have many Travolta potato chips now, but, you know, because he's bald. So they're all just round. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, as he does, uh, Homer contemplates his anger. I don't know which one I'm more upset about. That my wife has been keeping a secret mountain of cash from me, or that I'm about to die in a stupid violent car wreck. Don't make me choose, Gooby-Woo. Homer! You're spiraling! Of course I'm spiraling! I'm literally flying through the air! Listen, I know you're feeling all the feels right now, but we're getting closer to the real source of your rage. What? I'm sorry, I'm eating my feelings. Bad Homer, spit out that food and those feelings. What was Marge spending that money on? And why did she keep it a secret from everybody? Um, not everybody, Dad. I hate to say it, but we've known about Mom's secret cash for quite some time. Yeah, that's why I left myself to sleep every night. What? And here I've been worried sick about your night giggles. Let me tell you how we found out. I was blowing off steam one day. And I saw that Mom was getting $100,000 a month. Then I explained to Bart how decimal points work. Well, there's some audio without visual there, Steve. What was uh, Bart blowing off? Uh, uh, It appears to be he's opening up some letters using a tea kettle to uh, open up letters first from uh, Principal Skinner, 
and then from the base of the first bank of Springfield. And I love his uh, expression when he's when he learns that she's getting money and his jaw just drops. Just some great cartoon animation. <laughs> it is literally cartoon animation. Yeah, like, 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 most of the Simpsons. <laughs> I know, but like the like almost like eyes should have bulged out. But... Right, right, right. Yeah, fun bit of a reveal in animation and welcoming in the uh, good old Simpsons family, extended family. But uh, this mm-hmm. is obviously like in the past because they're not wearing their traditional uh, dress and uh, shorts and shirt. Yeah, Bart looks a little young. So I'm going to guess that, you know, maybe what do you think? Like, how old do you think Bart is in this one if he's normally 10? Uh, probably eight. It's probably definitely pre-Maggie. Right. So maybe at nine. Least eight. Yeah, I would say eight, maybe even a little bit younger. Because Marge like is a little pre- guy. Not Marge isn't pregnant yet. So that's true. This is a pre Maggie PM, not uh, after Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa goes on to say that they asked Marge about it and she admitted the whole thing. Homer, looking at the images of his children through shards of broken glass, wonder why Marge kept the money a secret. Bart is unsure if Homer can handle the truth, but Homer thinks he can. Bart then offers an answer. Okay. The reason is, your father is an ape-faced butt monster who eats booger sandwiches and also sucks. <laughs> Why, you little unreliable narrator? Ow! Glass is sharp. Oh, even my kids knew I was being fiscally unmanned. Okay, gotta go, ape-face. See you at your funeral. We'll be the kids running around in our nice clothes, poignantly unaware of the finality of death. Oh, that tree can't get here fast enough. Okay, Michael Phelps. Don't swim to your death just yet. Don't you want to find out what Marge been spending the money on? You bet I do. Well, that's what I thought. Give me your best guess. I want to give her the benefit of the doubt, but I can't help but imagine the worst. Bart doing mom. Bart. (laughs) This is going to call her mom. (laughs) He's our mommy. Bart doing his mom, a.k.a. Marge. Right. Personation was really funny. Yeah, butt monster's a lot of fun. I also really like... The image of when we're getting upset and trying to choke the shard of glass. <laughs> That's really funny to me. It's, it's, ow, glass is sharp. And the uh, I love Lisa's comment with uh, the kids blissfully ignorant about death and like just at a funeral acting happy. Like I've been to a couple funerals and there's always like you see those kind of kids just like mm-hmm. not really grasping the fact that someone's dead. But yeah. that's like <laughs> their own father. I don't think they would be like that. <laughs> I didn't. It's, I didn't. I wasn't allowed to go to uh, like some of my grandparents' funerals because I was so young. I was like, yeah, just don't take them. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I. I mean, most of my funerals that I've been to happen like in adulthood. Yeah, but I don't know that kids need to go to funerals. I don't think they should. I mean, if it's me, God, that sucks. Like, I'm. You know, plenty. It happens all the time. But like, if you're like eight years old and one of your parents dies, that just fucking sucks obviously right of course and so it'd be really tough to go because i'd just be crying the whole time mm-hmm. unless your parent was a piece of shit but you know regardless it's like yeah i don't think yeah, i don't know if i yeah hmm. I just i just know that when i die soon i might get like two or three people at my funeral maybe yeah i think i could get a packed house uh, of four steve you know what sucks either you're <laughs> gonna be at my funeral or i'm gonna be at yours it's true. Unless, Unless we, we die together. <laughs> or live forever. Uh, uh, about that. I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, we'll just have to go out Spellman and Louise style. <laughs> and fuck Brad Pitt? Sure. <laughs> do they? F- I, you know, I've never seen, that's a blind spot. I've never seen Thelma and Louise, Louise 
<laughs> Thelma and Louise. Uh, I, mean, I know, you know, it's one of those cultural movies where I know the par- I've seen parodies of it many times, and I know mm-hmm. it ends with them driving off a cliff together. Well, Spoilers. sunshine and lollipops play. <laughs> I think that's uh, Butch Cassidy, Steve. Uh, okay. But like, I know Brad Pitt is one of his first roles in it. Did, did they like bang him in it, or like they were just like flirting with him? I also have never seen it, so. <laughs> okay. um... I'm going to assume that maybe one of them bangs him. I don't know. Because it's uh, uh, Susan Sarandon and... Uh... Gina Davis? And Gina Davis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the old archer herself. <laughs> hey, look, they, you know, both uh, good-looking ladies then are still good-looking ladies now. Yeah. But not good enough for Tim Robbins and Jeff Goldblum, apparently. Nope. <laughs> Tim Robbins is uh, into alpha male Nick Adams these days. It's his best friend. Really? Did you see this on the internet? Uh, dating this podcast. Well, that's fine to date these podcasts because they're released. Tim Robbins didn't know who that guy was. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's Nick, right. He was Nick hanging, Adams, out. Nick Adam, hanging out. Nick, yeah, he uh, Robbins is at the airport and Nick Adams is like, hey, huge fan, can I get a picture? Yeah. I still that's think Nick right. Adams is like, is just a parody, but a harmful parody. You might he's be right. Doing it right. Yeah, because he's like Australian, isn't he? I think so, yeah. He's trying to pull up like uh, American alpha male and like his comments and tweets are hilarious because they're so dumb it's hard to tell where the joke begins and the realness begins i think he's andy kaufman could be yeah i think andy kaufman is dick adams yep you you heard it here first folks that would be the move i mean in this (laughs) stage for andy kaufman to do like that would be the character that he'd play so Hmm, makes sense (sighs) but uh yeah here we go it's back to the simpsons Uh, homer then envisions driving off to work telling marge that he's off to earn the family's sole source of income and once he's gone, Marge asks her robo-butler to bring her caviar hoagie. The android servant brings a sandwich full of roe, commenting on how expensive it is. I mean, that's a huge freaking sandwich. Yeah. Steve, uh, for this monumental episode. Oh, boy. Ah! <laughs> there you go. I made you a caviar sandwich that size. Dig it. Oh, boy. Ow. It's good. It's a little salty, a little fishy. You get all this black bullshit on top, it'd be good. Okay, well, Steve, I... Can't afford all that caviar. Oh. So I just found uh, a bunch of spider eggs and spray paint in the black for you. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, and my chances of becoming Spider-Man are greater than ever. So <laughs> they're not radioactive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so as Marge is enjoying that uh, costly grinder, right? Uh, dripping some of those caviar eggs and Santa's little helpers there slipping all of them up. Uh, Marge is also paying for that sexy handyman doing chores around the house. You know, there's a shirtless hunky studs appearing from under the couch, out of closet, and from the fridge, all ready to complete household tasks while Marge watches, you know, hornily. Hornily is one of those uh, words that I would use in uh, Mad Libs, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Adverb, right? Yeah. Yeah. As she passes out money to her dancing man service, she tells her robo butler that she doesn't know which she loves more, being rich or hiding it from her husband. <laughs> the uh, robo butler then shakes his little robo ass, mocking Homer through dance. The worst kind of mocking. What a bit of fun piece of Homer imagination. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a guy in the refrigerator that comes out, cleans. And... I just love that the, the robot is like also dancing. Right. And <laughs> why do they need a robo butler if they have several men to clean the house? It's very funny. Very funny animation. Yeah. It's good stuff. Like the robot <laughs> slapping his ass is just hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, Homer, still floating through the air, is incensed at the thought of Marge's actions. Gooby Woo wonders why Homer would think Marge would spend the money in that fashion, and Homer explains. Because it's what I do! Except the repairmen would be my favorite rock stars. Kiss, Bon Jovi, men at work, because of their excellent work ethic. Stop! 
Your wife is a much better person than you are, and she's been using the money in a very different way. So no robot butler? You've been wasting all your time throwing shade at Marge. You think behind your back that, yeah, she's been living large. Well, I really, really hate to burst your bubble, boo. All this time she's been spending all that cash on you. On me? No way. I'm sure that, huh? Homie, homer, check your elf. You ain't too bright. I'll explain the sitch. All them problems you think you solved yourself? That was Marge, bitch. That was Marge, bitch. The time your bar tab was forgiven by Mo? That was March bitch. That time Dr. Hibber reattached your big toe. That was March bitch. The time he got off of that DUI? That was March bitch. I think by now you know the reason why. Gooby woo in the house. Craig, you better check your elf before you wreck your elf. Hey, you've been holding on to that uh, pun all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not good. No, but I've been holding on to it. Now it's free. <laughs> Uh, so this episode is rated TV 14, and typically episodes are rated usually TV PG. And one of the reasons, aside from like the bloody violence of basically a 22-minute car crash, is the frequent use of the word bitch, as we just heard in that clip. Yeah, I, did they have like a TV 14 episode pretty recent that I think we reviewed? I forget the reason why it was. Was because yeah. of the, the violence? or I know that this is a while back, but the Serious Flanders two-parter was... Okay. Was definitely uh, TV 14 or maybe even TVMA because it's pretty grisly. Do you think like parents, you know, with their kids who's 13 or younger, they, let's say they're they're 12. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, we're going to watch uh, the new episode of The Simpsons. Gather around, folks. And then the parents see TV 14 like, oh, I'm sorry, son or daughter. You got to <laughs> go to your room. And you can't watch this episode. Sure. That's what happened. Yeah. I'm assuming uh, it's because of the word bitch. I'm assuming then every family guy is probably TV 14 because I'm assuming they say bitch all the time. Yeah, probably. What about uh, family dog? <laughs> hey, this is, they say bitch all the time on The Simpsons, don't they? Like Bart calls uh, Santa's little helper a bitch. Yeah, but we just heard in that minute long clip the word bitch about 18 times. What word? Bitch. Bitch is a good word. But, you know, I can understand why it's offensive. I mean, it is one of my favorite uh, Elton John songs, The Bitch is Back. And uh, Now You're Messing with the Son of a Bitch is another good song. Yeah. And um... Bitch Better Have My Money. <laughs> Steve knows all the bitches. <laughs> There's a scene, you know, where they're singing about uh, all the times Marge has bailed out Homer and Homer's toe because of those like axe throwing places. You think there's be like a lot of more of uh of like injuries of these like you know there's a new thing where you can go like throw axes but also there's mm-hmm. alcohol is involved so you go to this bar get drinks and then throw axes it just seems like a very dangerous thing to to have alcohol and axes right it's like you know darts let's make it way more dangerous <laughs> yeah what's next alcohol and uh, AR15 bars <laughs> what are we like... Missouri ah. <laughs> uh. Well, Homer realizes the error of his ways. Gooby Woo tells him that the only reason Marge kept it a secret was to save his dumbass male pride. Homer joins in on the song singing about how great Marge is and then notices that uh, he flew past the tree and Gooby Woo then sings, you're gonna live, bitch. Homer's relieved that he no longer has to be mad at Marge. Gooby Woo then mentions that, if anything, Homer should be upset at Marge's dad. Gooby immediately regrets her comment as Homer begins to question her. Homer needs to know what Marge's dad did, said, or rapped, and luckily there's a shard of glass to offer that explanation. Uh-huh, and I've got the magical footage right here. Don't look at it! You've come so far. 
Inner peace has almost defeated your outer rage. You've got to be strong, man. So if I look at that piece of glass, I could change my fate and perhaps even risk my very soul? Well, I'm cool with that. What the hell? Dad, Homer has a good heart, and I'm going to marry him. Oh, honey, this Simpson fellow will never provide for you. He has jackass written all over him. Marge, do you have any turpentine? It's not coming off. His friends did that after he fell asleep at a party. Homer's the sweetest person I've ever met. Every time I look into his eyes, I see someone who will never stop loving me. Oh, crap. Look, I'm gonna leave you something special in my will to make sure you're okay. Because you found every father's worst nightmare. True love with a true loser. Ah, hmm. Same conversation Steve had with his wife's father. That's right. <laughs> Whom I've never met. You know, let's talk about the debate real quick here of uh, Marge's dad's physical appearance. Because we've seen him differently Yeah, as the airline attendant. And this is the version that we're used to seeing because of um, the way we we were, you know, seeing when Homer goes to pick him up for her for the dance. And that's mm-hmm. the same caricature. What do you think? Your What's your explanation for why he looks different in the fear of flying? Go. Um, I think that it is Marge's memory that we see him in. And so maybe she has a more positive or different light. And so she's remembering him in a in a more fancy fashion than what is the truth. And so I think this is what he looks like in reality. But maybe in Marge's memory, he's a bit more dashing. I think that was my explanation, too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was. That's exactly what I would. Yeah, because she's telling this story to the psychiatrist. And of course, mm. yeah. Or or maybe, no, that's the psychiatrist's memory. Or that's oh. the psychiatrist's thoughts when she's telling the story. So this is what we see in the psychiatrist's mind. That's also possible because <laughs> he would have blue hair in somebody else's mind if they were looking at Marge, who has blue hair. But maybe he died at this time. You know, he gained a little extra weight. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't look like he's an airline attendant. <laughs> he looks like an, like he owns an ice cream shop or something. Right. He looks like <laughs> he looks like he should be like a boxing coach or yeah, yeah like or just like a milkman or you know, like uh, yeah, ice cream man or maybe a barber. Yeah, works works behind the counter at a deli, just missing that mm-hmm. apron there. What if he was like after being an airline attendant, he was like a uh, a, a coal plant technician. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Homer's, you know, Marge is attracted to. Oh, yeah. She sees the uh, Homer or the father in Homer. She likes men in power. Yeah. Literally. And work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who can it be now? now. But I think uh, OG Simpsons fans are going to like the appearance of Homer and Marge in this flashback because it's their classic 70s look. You know, I was thinking about that. It's funny because, you know, they've retrograded that several times and it does look like she's from the 70s. But also she looks like, uh, you know, she could be from 1995 and you wouldn't like that nice. She's wearing like, you know, a kind of like a bowling shirt and some jeans. Well, what's great about that, we've talked about before, 70s fashion kind of came back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. That kind of bell bottoms and hippie ish look, because I remember having jeans that uh, flared out like a little bit like a bell bottoms back in those days. Me too. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe Homer's writing Jackass because that's his favorite uh, MTV show. Exactly. Homer is stunned to learn that Marge's father didn't like him, especially since he's always warning Homer about doors hitting his butt on the way out. Homer doesn't like being emasculated from beyond the grave, but Gooby Woo warned him not to look. Homer then wonders how he can remember the conversation if he wasn't there, and Gooby Woo explains that Homer is a ghost. I was kind of wondering that too about 
when he saw Barton Lisa's vision, too. So that kind of explains it. Exactly. She then points to Homer's body, impaled through the chest by a fence post. Ralph, enjoying an ice cream cone, looks at Homer's dead body and says that he's going to see it in his every dream now. What a great graphic image of just yeah. impaled, like the blue tongue, like pale body. And it's like, <laughs> like Ralph's still smiling, eating. <laughs> But he's aware that he's traumatized, too. Yeah, 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 it's great. <laughs> Homer looks around and figures that he's in heaven. It's so huge, so majestic, so red. Mm? Homer is actually in the fiery depths of hell, but doesn't quite realize it yet. He meets what he assumes is one of heaven's goatee-footed angels, who holds a giant fork, presumably for eating delicious heavenly s'mores. The Raphael demon stabs Homer, making him realize where he is. But Why? The demon tells Homer that he committed the deadly sin of wrath against his father-in-law. And sure, everyone hates everyone these days, but Homer also committed the rest of the seven deadly sins, all in the last half second of his life. As Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brasses' A Taste of Honey plays, we see Homer commit those sins such as... Sloth. Homer falling asleep as he crashes out of the car. Lust. Homer seeing a sexy lady across the street and getting horny for her as he soars through the air. Pride. Homer admiring his reflection in a window as he flexes his muscles, again, as he's soaring through the air. Greed. Homer trying to steal change from a payphone, soaring through the air. Envy. Homer desiring and swiping Ralph's ice cream cone. And gluttony. Homer eating the top scoop of Ralph's ice cream cone in a single bite. Wow. Let's just give it up for that great uh, bit of uh, animation of (laughs) the seven deadly sins all wrapping it up. Like, if you were a... um... I guess like teaching Sunday school, I would just show them the scene. Like, all right, do you want to know what the seven deadly sins are? Here you go, kids. You don't have to explain <laughs> it, but then explain each why they're the sins. I'm not, again, I'm not a religious guy, but like mm-hmm. it wraps it, it is, up pretty well. Yeah. It, it is very succinct. And like, you know, whenever you're trying to remember them, you always forget like one or two. And so here they are. Just I think now moving forward, when I think about the seven deadly sins, I will remember them now. <laughs> Look, I'm kind of lusting after that lady too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it made me a little sleepy. So I could, I could go for some sloth. <laughs> Even like the uh, gluttony, if I, if my eyes don't deceive me, Ralph is has a, a good combo there. I think he just got like basic chocolate ice cream and then on top put like a mint mm-hmm. ice cream. What a great combo there, Ralph. But also he doesn't care when Homer eats uh, the mint part. He's just still yeah. smiling. I mean, he's had a big day. He <laughs> saw a dead body. He got an ice cream cone. Nothing's going to bring him down. No. <laughs> Uh, you know what I thought was weird? When I moved to Vancouver, Washington, and I went to the same middle school as you, their big thing was pride. Oh. Like, like that, like on the, on like the school handbook, they, they, in big letters, it said pride. And I just thought it was weird to say pride because the only two ways that like I really ever saw pride was either white supremacists or gay <laughs> folks. And the gay folks, I totally understood because, you know, they had to fight adversity. And as a not a gay folk, I was like, why are we ha- why are we, why do we have so much pride? We're just a middle school. We don't even have walls. We have like weird carpeted things. Like I thought it was weird. <laughs> I don't remember that, but but now you got me thinking. So is that why these Christian people are so against Pride Nights? Because it's not because they're gay, it's just because it's one of the seven deadly sins. It's all a big misunderstanding. Oh wow. <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> Call me ignorant, Steve. You're ignorant, Steve. And you're a slut, Jane. Uh, 
Back in hell, Raphael Demon shows Homer where he checks in. Dr. Marvin Monroe and Frank Grimes are there, and the demons are now serving number 666. I love the now serving 666. Oh, yeah. There. But I forgot to say in the opening credits, when Maggie was scanned in the cash register, it just reminded me that uh, she cost us uh, $750. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a, a great little moment there, because... Yeah. 750th episode. Two fun numbers in this. Actually, three fun numbers. 666, 750, and then 1989 is the bank's address. Oh, yeah. That's true. Cool. Numbers are fun. Yeah. Homer then sees a group of people waiting and wonder what their deal is. Who are they? Well, that's our exchange program we have with heaven. We send them people condemned for sins that aren't sins anymore. All aboard for those damned for being gay between 5000 BC and like 10 years ago. It's about damn time. Make way for Miss Thing. Now arriving, former residents of heaven who are now considered bad by today's standards. Where what art I in hell? I gave the world Othello. Yeah, and performed it in blackface. Get out of here. I didn't even actually write the plays! Okay, Mr. Simpson. Looks like your punishment is to be boiled alive for all eternity in a lake of blood. All right. Just wait over there. Oh, there's a line! Hey, do you mind if I go ahead of you? Yeah, in fact, I do mind. Uh, there's our <laughs> social commentary, but what a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> Just people who are gay go to heaven now, like, wow, <laughs> 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> And then everyone is coming back down. I, I was waiting for that reveal when that lie was dropped. I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very fun stuff there. Who do we got yeah. there? I really liked uh, I really liked Damon uh, or Demon Raphael. And also the uh, pencil pushing demons. I just I think they're fun. There's fun <laughs> animation. And, uh, you know, they're just doing their job. I like it. That uh, purple looking lady demon. I don't know. Yeah. I'm getting a little less there. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're looking like that. Who's who's uh, who's coming back for who's from hell coming down to uh, heaven. I mean, we obviously know Shakespeare is one right. of them. Let's take a look here. Uh, um, uh, I feel like if I was a smarter person, I could know who those people were. It might just be throwing like old people look at, or, you know, old time yeah. garb. The guy in the glasses is definitely somebody, but I just yeah I can't figure out. I have someone smarter than us, which is everybody, will mm-hmm. figure it out. Like that's probably like Thomas Jefferson, but you know, right there between the lady and the other guy. That makes sense. Yeah, maybe that lady's uh, Nancy Reagan. <laughs> probably she's she deserves to burn in hell. Guy in the glasses. Maybe that's uh, Oppenheimer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have to wait until this summer to see that hit film. Well, it's uh, you know. Chris Nolan, we gotta see your Chris Nolan movies. That's right. They're good ones. Fun bit of animation there. So the end of that clip too, let's mention the guy. He's just going to like, yeah, in fact, I do mind. One of my favorite, who does that voice? That's Hank. One of my favorite kind of voices that he does is like, we've heard that kind of voice before, mm-hmm. but just the the snappiness of like annoyance of that character. Like, yeah, in fact, I do mind. Yeah, it's pretty much Frank Grimes, but I love it. Yes. Great stuff. Uh, so yeah, Homer is 20,000 years later, appears on the screen and Homer is uh, still waiting in line and beginning to lose his patience. You know, it's just standing in line for 20,000 years. He's not getting poked or prodded or hurt. It's not a bad mm-hmm. eternity so far. No. You know, just use your imagination in line. You know, you're there forever. Uh, think of stories of uh, you being Superman, Homer. That's all mm-hmm. I would do. 
<laughs> so a demon offers Homer a buzzer, you know, like they get at the uh, at the cheesecake factory. Uh, so when they're ready to seat you, they'll let you in, right? That little buzzer. But this time it's in hell. So the buzzer will electrocute Homer and uh, it'll set his torso aflame. Homer, fully aware of how buzzers works, walks around to see a demon river dancing on top of two men, another demon throwing an axe at a woman, and two demons playing tetherball with a human head as <laughs> the ball, while the body tries to join in on the game. <laughs> Homer then sees a poker game being played by Lenin, Mussolini, Chairman Mao, and Genghis Khan. As Mussolini brags about his hand, Homer sees a fifth player at the table. Why, it's Clarence Bouvier, Marge's dead dad. Homer tackles him and begins to punch his face, threatening to kill him and send him to super hell. Super hell? I'll have the soup. It's funny. <laughs> Lennon and Khan pull Homer off and try to calm him down. Lennon says that they have standards in hell, and Homer mistakenly calls him Tom Selleck. Yeah, very good. Uh, Homer feels that Clarence's actions were super sucky and probably the reason he's in hell. In reality, it was due to an unrelated check-forging scheme. Which is probably how Clarence is able to afford to pay Marge oh. $1,000 a week, or a month rather, like forever. Or forever, how long? For at least 10 years. So is Marge's money dirty money then? I mean, it might be. Because mm. you figure, let's just do some math here. Oh, I hate math. But like for 10 years, that's $120,000. Marge didn't come from like a lot of money. So the fact that he's able to give her $120,000 for the rest of her life, or at least for, you know, it's been 10 years. That's that's impressive. So that's the connection then. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Is this the first time in a Simpsons episode where John Lennon and Vladimir Lennon have been on the same time? Because John Lennon was in the credits. That's true. I think so. <laughs> it would have been funny if John Lennon was down there playing poker with Lennon, mm -hmm. Vladimir Lennon, the Lennon, the Lennon brothers. Yeah, I think that would have been fun. <laughs> and then uh, Ricardo Montalban could be next to Genghis Khan. <laughs> ah, good stuff there. And the top, yeah, like he said, the Tom Selleck joke, just really funny. I mean, he'll probably go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to hang out with him selling us life insurance in hell. Yeah. He's like struggling his gun. Blue bud's more like red blood. Wait. No, we do have red blood. <laughs> Anyways. Clarence then invites Homer on a walk, and Homer knows that walking means they truly are in hell. The two men pass a demon grating a man on a cheese grater, while another demon plays whack-a-mole with a woman's head. A hell flick screen then appears, showing a future version of Homer and Marge. Wow. Another screen? Yeah, this is hell. Screens everywhere. Mom, Dad, I'd like you to meet Mercer. He designs board games. Oh, like Parker Brothers? <laughs> yeah, like Parker Brothers. No. You actually play that mainstream corporate garbage? You're so lucky to be meeting me today. Seriously, I am so jealous of you. Check this out. My new game is going to be a huge hit. It combines the strategoness of Stratego, the implicit sexual tension of Twister, and the hard driving whimsy of Tic Tac Toe. It's called Sidegammon. Who's up for a game, huh? Oh, come on! It's super complicated. You'll be out before you know it, and you'll be humiliated. Excuse me, I have to go yell something into your washer dryer. He really is brilliant, and he has a good heart. I'm going to marry him. I'm the Mozart of board games and novelties! Why, that guy's a total loser! 
What? <laughs> That's a fun bit of animation. That guy looks like, uh, I don't know who he looks like. He looks like somebody like we could know. Right. I like how uh, Santa's little helper is still alive in this future timeline. Yeah. There is those people that like poo-poo your typical mainstream board games. Mm-hmm. But yet he's just combining all those mainstream board games into one. <laughs> right. Um, I went through a little bit of a board game phase. And I played some indie games. Exactly. Roll for whip. Um, <laughs> oh, I got snakes. It was really just a ripoff of Shoots and Ladders. You know, there's a new Indiana Jones movie coming out. They mm-hmm. should just like, you see so many marketed uh, like Monopoly games, like Indiana Jones Monopoly or, you know, anything you can think of has a Monopoly version. But an Indiana Jones Shoots and Ladders, that just yeah. makes perfect sense. It'd be snakes, fun. Snakes and Ladders, right? Snakes and mm-hmm. Whips. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Parker Brothers and Sister Dot. Make that game. <laughs> um, that was uh, Tim Robinson playing the voice of uh, Mercer. Shawshank Ed. Redemption himself. That's right. Tim um, Robbins. Robinson. Oh, okay. So his son, Tim Robinson. Exactly. <laughs> Tim Robinson. Uh, he is on the brilliant, uh, or he writes and created the brilliant show, I Think You Should Leave, which is on Netflix. I believe the new season is coming at the end of this month. Um, if you haven't watched it, it's uh, probably the best uh, sketch comedy going right now, I would say. Did I tell you, I think I, I was watching, what, I think, the first season of that show, and someone I went to college with, I think, was was like a waiter in it. Oh, really? Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's him. That's funny. I, I can always contact him on, on social media. I'm like, was that you? Because I know he moved to, to L.A. like after graduation. And it's like, yeah, I kind of want to get in, you know, to the biz. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think I swear that was him. Like, I think that's him. Wow. Good for him. Yeah. That show is just absurd as absurdity can get. Yeah. I mean, maybe next to, I mean, I think you and I are the only ones who watched uh, Auntie Donna's House of <laughs> Fun. Right, right. On Netflix, which is also absurd humor. Like even he couldn't do his voice on SNL, so he like left. Right. He was like, "What? How many seasons? Maybe just one or two? Uh, yeah, I think just one. Yeah, and it was just like, yeah, no, I don't think Lauren gets it, or he just, yeah, maybe just felt creatively uh, suffocated. Maybe I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Genuinely, I feel like most times when I see somebody really talented on SNL these days. I'm like, oh, they're great. They shouldn't be on Saturday Night Live because it'll stifle them. I feel that way about Tim Robinson. I felt that way about Leslie Jones, uh, Sarah Sherman. She does a great job on Saturday Night Live. I think we talked about her last week, but I just feel like she could do so much more if she wasn't beholden to the institution that SNL offers. Like Bone Yang kind of feels that way too, but yeah, he is one of the few like new performers of SNL, like feature players that just like right from the start, like just the he had the charisma and energy. Oh, he's a star, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. But it just takes a lot of people a lot of time just to warm up to SNL. Yeah, as a cast member, you can see that. But just like these new kids, just like shot out of a cannon, even though they're still probably scare shitless. And of course, right? Yeah, but then you know, you know, they are. He's definitely one of those guys that Tim Robinson just weird minds. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like I'm jealous of that mind. Yeah, it's so like, good. Um, the hot dog sketch alone, just thinking about it makes me laugh. So good. Uh, so Homer doesn't want Mercer to marry Lisa. He asked Clarence if he was as bad as him. And Clarence states that there was a time when he would have preferred Mercer to Homer. The poker playing dictators mentioned that they received an advanced copy of Sidegammon. And it's not bad. 
Homer begins to see things from Clarence's perspective and is shocked to learn that other people have perspectives. Clarence was just worried about Marge, the way he worried about Lisa. No matter how old and dead we get, we just want to make sure our little girls are okay. Suddenly, Homer's buzzer goes off, and a female announcer tells Homer that they are ready to boil him for eternity in a lake of blood. Suddenly, that doesn't sound so good to Homer. A beam of light appears, and Homer begins to ascend. Raphael Demon explains. Yeah, you just had an epiphany, Pally, which means you get to go back to your life. It's a dumb rule, but we need a two-thirds vote to change it, which is also a dumb rule. What can I say? Hell ain't perfect. Homer, you're getting another chance. Now get the hell out of hell and go back to my daughter. You heard the man. Let's get your ass home. Damn, that hurt. You died and went to hell. Ralph knows. Whee! Thank you, Gooby Woo. I learned more tumbling through the air than I ever did tumbling through my life. Thank God you're okay. Let's just mm. talk about how great Ralph was there with the... Yeah. Ralph knows. <laughs> it was great, yeah. And then, do we just talk about it now? Is this officially Maggie's first words? So, according to the Simpsons wiki, they consider this episode non-canonical, which I don't know if it is or not. We'll get to it to the end here pretty soon, but yeah. Yeah. But it is curious because, yeah, Maggie clearly says gooby-woo. And so I wonder if this being a milestone episode, being episode 750, if they decided to make a change in which Maggie can now talk, which would totally change the dynamic of the character. But I don't know that I'm opposed to it. I'm just I just wonder if it's if it's something new. My point against that is, is she's just saying baby talk, gooby woo. And Homer calls or when Lizzo says I'm gooby woo. And that's when Homer says, that's what Maggie calls you. And then she's like, well, that's my name. But this is also going through Homer's mind. So is there an elf actually named Gooby Woo or is that just what Maggie identifies with that toy as Gooby Woo? Even though maybe like in the cartoons, that's not her name. Maybe like if you were holding if you were holding Papa Smurf doll, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not Papa Smurf to her. It's Gooby Woo or Smurfette. (laughs) That's a valid point because I don't know that we've really established the happy little elves have uh you know define names right all right well i guess we'll, we'll continue that conversation just in a little bit here let's just uh, finish up the episode okay okay the family joins homer in the ambulance and marge asks him why he sent that angry text homer takes a moment and says that it doesn't matter he set aside his own ego and learned to savor his many blessings and marge is foremost amongst them unfortunately homer's kind and wise words are not heard as he is just spouting gibberish i think this scene's really great you know he's saying these nice things and then it's just gibberish uh it's also kind of sad marge sees that he is in a great deal of pain and asks the emt if there's anything they can give him the paramedic says they can't give him anything until they arrive at the hospital homer screams in agony and marge hands a stack of cash to the emt a thousand bucks <laughs> homer then receives a shot of painkiller as he sighs with relief marge figures she can go another month without a new purse gooby woo then sings that's the end bitch and credits begin to roll we then get a post-credit scene of Homer and Lizzo in the recording studio, being directed by Bart and Lisa. You see, I'm a projection of your psyche, and you're in the middle of a very traumatic life event. And cut. 
Now we should move on to the part where your character slaps Dad. Wait a minute, isn't that just a sound effect? No, it's gotta be real. Right, Lizzo? Uh, seems a bit excessive to me, but hey, psh, you're the kid. You know what? If you're uncomfortable, you don't have to do it. <sighs> I can do it for you. And action! <laughs> Maybe a few more for safety? <laughs> oh, who's safety? I don't feel safe! Ow. Ow. Why, you little... This beat Ow. is fire. Ow. Yo, Lisa, Ow. how about I get I Sasha Flu, you get your saxophone, and we, uh, jam. I'd Ow. love to. Ow. I love how Lizzo calls the saxophone saxophone. What a great reference. Callback. It's great, and, you know, uh, her flute is also famously known as Sasha, so it's great that two great musicians can share their instruments. I thought it was named after uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. It, it actually was, yeah. Is it really? <laughs> no. Okay. Lizzo just loves Borat. Or one of the uh, Obama girls, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is what I was trying to get to, that why it's not canon. So it appears that maybe the Simpsons are just making a cartoon or a, a movie, and this never happened. That's why Maggie doesn't speak. What you're saying is that all of this didn't happen, and basically the whole episode is Homer, Bart, and Lisa go to the recording studio and meet Lizzo. Yeah. Okay. And they make a little uh, cartoon or play or, or a movie. Uh-huh. Um, that could be it. Yeah. Also, can we just bring up how Lizzo is just having an amazing year? She first gets to pet Baby Yoda, and now she gets to pet Maggie. Mm-hmm. Just, everything's coming up Lizzo. Yeah, it's it's Lizzo's world, and we just live in it. Yeah. Oh, this is all fictional. Everything is just Lizzo's universe. Mm-hmm. Steve, I think we should probably listen to that whole Simpsons Lizzo flute music with Marge. Wait, no, Marge is even there. You know, yeah. they're playing the whole Simpsons thing. Shouldn't Marge be in there playing her favorite instrument, the vacuum? <laughs> yeah, and Homer could play the jug, and <laughs> yeah. Bart could play. I mean, he's already playing the drums. Yeah. With, with Homer's face. <laughs> Homer's face, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that's our episode, and may I even say our season. You can say it. Uh, that's our season. Okay, cool. Uh, you said it. Cool. Uh, let's say we uh, take a break. Think about what we just saw, and we'll come right back. Alrighty, Craig, we're back. Let's finish up our talk of Homer's adventure through the windshield glass. We'll talk about what we thought about the episode, what made us laugh, and even what we're watching next week. But before we do all that, let's uh, be, be kind to one another and exchange some gifts from this episode. Now, Craig, I know you're a busy man, and I just happen to be kind of a little flush with cash, not to brag. So, Craig, for you, I got your favorite, two favorite things. I got you a robo-butler. And a bunch of hunks to clean around the house. <laughs> well, Steve, I think this might be a first or second or third in this podcast because that's literally what I got you. I got you a <laughs> Robo Butler and a uh, bunch of hunks. I know this sounds like I didn't come up with the thing, but this is true. This is exactly what I thought of. I genuinely believe you because who doesn't want <laughs> a Robo Butler and a bunch of hunks? It's yeah. a gift that keeps on giving and coming if you're lucky. Hey, oh, yeah. I mean, I already gave you the uh, sandwich of caviar, so yeah. I think uh, this is the best gift to give. <laughs> the other gift, I guess, would be uh, maybe uh, Ralph's ice cream cone. So that's pretty good. Yeah. 
But uh, I'm glad we both have hunks and robots, which sounds like a uh, crappy Netflix original show. <laughs> okay, you know, it's one of those like stupid dating shows, right? It's it's <laughs> it's women and men. They're on dates with robots, but the robots turn out to be actually humans. They think they're going on dates with robots, <laughs> but like dressed like the way the Simpsons draw robots, like all boxy and like you know, or like you know, the robot from uh, Jetsons. Yeah, Rosie. <laughs> but it's really Rosie O'Donnell. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> I want to date a robot, not Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> And, and, you know, this makes sense for the season finale to uh, give the same gift, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good wrap up of the season, you know, to kind of have a shared thought. Right. Um. So, Craig, what in this episode uh, did you enjoy? What made you laugh? I had said in the episode, I think the uh, uh, when they're in hell and the announcer's like, all right, everyone who, who's in hell that doesn't deserve to be is going to heaven. And the people that we've canceled are coming mm-hmm. to hell. I really love that. Uh, the trains that sequence and, and Homer's imagination of Marge with the robot and all that, you know, with the robot and the hunks, it was just a great scene. And just the whole like slow animation of Homer crashing through the air is just a lot of fun. And Ralph, of course, in fact, I'm giving this MVJ, the most valuable jokes are to Ralph in this episode. And the reason is because he's such a prominent character in this like second, like this, this little millisecond of Homer's like crash mm-hmm. that, you know, he says a lot of funny things like uh, he calls Homer Bart's uh, bald mommy. Uh-huh. And then, of course, the end two of like Ralph is like, you went to hell, Ralph. No, it's like just that that cadence of just that the, the, the tone that shifts down. And like Ralph is the uh, I think the. uh I think like Ralph's and he says Ralph sees all. I think mm-hmm. Ralph is the uh, who's that the 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 watcher from Marvel, right? The Watu. Watu. Ralph is the Watu of the Simpsons universe. Like he's hmm. he remembers everything. He's seen everything. He knows that time changes. Like he knows 1989 existed to 2023. He knows that he knows everything. That's my biggest revelation in this episode. And I'm going to stick with it. That Ralph is the all knowing, powerful being of the Simpsons universe. This makes a lot of sense to me. And I love it because that's why he strives to become an actor to tell stories of the future that he already knows is going to happen. Like he's able to draw on a wall and climb through it with a purple crayon or it was a blue. Cra- yeah. The purple yeah. Crayon. Yeah. So yeah, he is interdimensional. And yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense to me. So he can like phase in and out through all the timelines of The Simpsons. Right. I think as much as we talk about Nelson and Martin getting together in the future, which they did recall reference in this episode because the kick me sign that Nelson put on Martin's back, he lost and they were sad about that because it was an emotional piece of baggage because, you know, they're eventually going to end up together. I think that all of that canon that we have established is that Ralph being a watcher is as true as that. So, yeah, I I think this is perfect. And Ralph is the reason this podcast exists, because he willed it into existence that we talk about this. Like we are we are aware of Ralph. You know, we talk about the mysterious entity known as the Wheel of Random. Is that just Ralph? Next season is Ralph, our God, our entity like that. I think so. Yeah. Do we start saying in the intro, like, instead of controlled by the rule of random, we're just like, we're controlled by Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> hmm. We'll have to do some more research on this, I think. Yeah, to be to be figured out, but I think we might be on to something big. Right. Bigger than anyone's ever imagined. Oh, yeah. The biggest. I'm not playing. That's what she says. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's what you wanted me to do. Okay. <laughs> uh, no. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that Ralph is really funny in this episode. I really liked a lot of the a lot of the performances. I loved uh, Bowen Yang's short but sweet piece. Just him being so over it. Wait, wait, wait you love what about Bones? His short but sweet piece. That's what she said. Gotcha. You got Icona popped by the best. 
but I, I really love Bowen Yang just being kind of over it as a banker. I love Tim Robinson's performance as Mercer, just that kind of nerd who's like calls people idiots for not knowing the most obscure things. And as much as I loved uh, Liz's performance, I thought that she did a great job. It was a lot of fun. I think I have to, as a character, my, my uh, MVJ is going to go to Demon Ralph. Raphael, rather, just because he was just so fun and he kind of like showed uh, Homer around and just him poking him. And I just loved all the hell stuff, the dictators, all the brutal ways that people were being tortured. Like the cheese grater is just so if you've ever cut yourself on a cheese grater, it sucks. And just to have imagine your skin being ripped off like that or like the uh, tetherball head. Like, I don't know. I just thought the visuals from hell were so much fun. And yeah, like you said, the jokes about the people who are going in and out of hell and back to heaven, just really good stuff. But I, I digress. What did you think of the episode as a whole? Look, we kind of talked about our favorite episodes from this whole season, the intro, and we excluded this one, of course, because we haven't watched it yet. So we can't right. blame the listener. But if I'm going to be honest with you, this episode moves right up into that top three spots. Wow. I think this episode, they do something different, and it's just a fun like kind of look at... Uh, uh, the stages of grief like you know when, when people say they go through like a, a traumatic experience like home or going through a car crash that people get uh their life flashes before their eyes and this kind of experience happened to me and mm -hmm. in the matter of like what seems like you know hours that he's experienced this is in, in the matter of like seconds i think that uh you know it's, it's this very fun creative way to kind of make a a what if scenario speaking of marvel and Ralph being Watu, <laughs> that uh, it's just so creative. And the use of Lizzo as a Gooby Woo was great. And like you said, Tim Robinson and Bone Yang as uh, guest stars, not being them, you know, themselves or just being characters, all great. Like everyone was just on top of this. I think the one thing that kind of like maybe not, I don't say cheapens it, but it was the ending with like actual Lizzo and Lisa recording, you know. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that deters from the story. Like, let's just say that without those end credits, like just as a story wise, so, you know, we talk about does Marge actually get the thousand dollars or is this again like, yeah, it's not real because this is like something put on by Lisa and Lizzo. I don't know, but <laughs> I don't think this is going to create controversy in, in Simpsons fandom. In fact, I think if you're an old Simpsons fan, I think you'd love this episode because it hits on some of the old, uh, like I said earlier, with with Marge's dad being in it. And I'm so excited to see something with Marge's dad. Like, it's such an, a character that it's been so untapped. Uh, tapped out? Not yet. <laughs> that um, I, I just, this episode was just, I, I thought it was just great top to bottom. What a fun episode. What a fun ride. What a great way to end the season. You forget the, the opening credits with the 750 characters. Amazing. This took a lot of effort, this episode. I think just throw that to the Emmys next year for your consideration. Yeah, I think I might have to top move this into the top three of the season. I'm not sure where it's going to place. Could be the number one, maybe. But, uh, you know, again, only watching it a couple times now. But I, I would love to go back to this episode. There's probably a lot of just little things that I missed. And, uh, you know, listening back to it when I'm editing, I know I'm like, oh, I missed this part to bring up. But what a fun episode. What a fun ride for season 34. So if I gave this a ranking, I mentioned the three numbers that we see in the episode, which was uh, 1989. And it's also the 750th episode. And we see 666. Add those all together and you get 3,405. Hmm. So uh, out of 3,405, I'll give this episode a uh, a solid 3,000. Wait, I'm going to add on to that. Add another thousand for the mar the money the Marge gets. So that's... Of course. Let me see. 3,405 plus 1,000. Steve, hold on. I'm going to calculate that real quick. This is really hard math. And then that. 
<laughs> oh, I hit clear. Shit. Steve, what's oh. 1,000 plus 4,405? I think it's uh, 5,405. <laughs> no, that's what I was like. For... All right, dumb bit. Uh, yeah, so out of 4,405, I'll give this episode a 4,400. Nice. I right, see. What did you think? Uh, well, Craig, you know, this season has been, there's been a lot of experimentation with the format of The Simpsons, kind of going back and forth between classic episodes that feel like the golden age and then more experimental ones that kind of feel a little bit different. And I thought that, you know, going to the, into this, I was a little skeptical. Uh, it felt like very interesting, the concept of having Homer basically like the majority of the episode is like three seconds where he's getting crashed, crashing through a car, feeling betrayed by Marge. It's a weird concept, but I'll be damned if it doesn't work. I think it's just such a novel idea of like working through his anger by his subconscious existing through a, a toy doll elf. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. I, I think that the exploration of Marge's father as also a flawed human being. And, you know, if you look at the parallels between Abe and Clarence, both being kind of disappointed in their children and their choices, I think that's kind of interesting. And it was just a funny episode. I thought it was like a lot of fun. Uh, it went interesting places. It, it definitely played homage to the classics. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you that um, while I have my top three up top, this might kind of break through that. Definitely in the top five, for sure. Um, I thought that Lizzo did a great job. She was a lot of fun. Very like you can hear the enthusiasm in her voice. I just thought this was a great time and a great way to wrap up the season. It had big stars, but it didn't feel like it was trying too hard to, you know, be a, a spectacle. It just had like great performance from three guest stars. And then everyone on the show is also great. And, you know, as you said, Ralph, as as the Watu of Springfield uh, was also pretty brilliant. Um, and we learned all about the seven deadly sins. And so I'm going to give this a solid six out of seven. Which sin are you admitting? I'm admitting to lust, but I'm omitting wrath. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's um, what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll say wrath because I don't like to be angry. But Steve, that's your problem. I'm always angry. Oh, I meant about lust. You're always horny. Yeah, that's right. I'm always <laughs> horny and I'm always tired. <laughs> that's because you're horny all the time, pounding off. Yeah. Thinking about huge ass. <laughs> I love huge ass. Uh, oh, man. What a season. What an episode. What a podcast we are. Well, the Simpsons might not be back next week. We will be. To find out what we're watching, we're going to need that wheel of random. Let's give it a spin to see which season we're in. All righty, we have season 13. Ooh, Ooh okay. Let's uh, give it another spin to see which episode we're watching. All right, we got episode 19. So season 13, episode 19. Craig, what do you think the title is? And remember, if you get this correct, our podcast is over. Oh, cool. Well, that's a really early episode, probably aired yeah. around uh, this time 50 years ago. Is that how time works? Pretty close, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're 19, uh, close to the end of the season. I'm going to say, uh, let's see, let's see 13, uh, uh, Lisa versus George W. Bush and the Hungry <laughs> Caterpillar. That's one that features the Dixie Chicks, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, no, the episode is entitled The Sweetest Apu. Ah. Uh, Craig, what do you think that episode is all about? Well, Apu used to be a character on The Simpsons, but it also could be 
the same character. That's the Simpsons. So the sweetest of Pooh. Hmm. See, I kind of know these seasons. So is it the one where I'm going to actually try it and not make a joke, but is it the one where it's like Valentine's Day and Apu is just winning the town over and all the guys are pissed off that Apu is giving Menjula all these awesome, uh, you know, Valentine's Day gifts and like the Elton John's in it. Oh, yeah. That would make a lot of sense because he was being the sweetest Apu. Yeah. Um, And that seems very reasonable. It's probably what I would have guessed, too. But no, huh. uh, this episode, Marge and Homer desperately try to get Apu and Menjula back together. What? After after she catches him cheating on her at the Quickie Mart, thanks oh. to a security tape. Why? Wow. I don't I don't remember this one. And season yeah. thirteen. Yeah, so it aired. Yeah, like you said, May fifth, two thousand two, <gasps> and it was written by one John Schwartzwelder. Oh my god, how do I not remember a Schwartzwelder episode? Was this like one of his last episodes? I think it may have been. Yes. Wow. 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 Hey, you know, older season. You know, when I, when I watch it, I'll probably kind of remember it. It'll come back to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Steve, do you remember it? I vaguely remember uh, one scene of Homer walking backwards. Because it's never been done in animation before where a character walks backwards. <laughs> exactly. All right. Exciting, Steve. I'm excited. Yes. And uh, I'm excited for our listeners to hear this. And uh, thank you so much, folks, for listening. And hey, if you want to reach out to us, you can go to the socials, uh, your Twitter, your Instagram, and Facebook, why not? And even your YouTube, at 138Simpsons. And you can contact us on uh, email. It's at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcasting app that allows you to do that. Leave us a five-star, whatever the equivalent is, but you don't have to write a real review. You could just write about how uh, you want to crash through a windshield and talk to Lizzo and what your story is going to be. I don't know what that means. And hey, you can even just leave us a voicemail. Just go to your podcasting app once again. Hit that little button there. And just what we want to hear from you. You can uh, tell us your, your favorite ice cream cone. Uh, how would you spend $1,000 a week? Or uh, just sing us your favorite Lizzo song. And hey, check out uh, some merch on our TeePublic site, tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed crimp boys. Get a shirt, get a pillow, get a notebook. Just get some merch. That's all we're asking. All right. And for this season, I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Steve. And I've been Annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. What can I say? Hell ain't perfect. And lucky for you, right now, I'm super high. You died and went to hell. Ralph knows. Whee!